Welcome to the Refuge Podcast from Trinity United Methodist Church in Ruston, Louisiana. Our prayer is that God uses this time to speak specifically to you, regardless of where you are on your faith journey. We'd like to also invite you to worship with us every Sunday morning at 1045, either in person or online at www.trinityruston.org. Thanks for listening. Good morning. It's great to be with you all here today. And if you're joining us online, we are so glad you've joined us as well. This is Palm Sunday, and our scripture for this morning comes from our E100 readings from this past Monday, Matthew's Gospel, chapter 5, verses 1 through 10. May we hear the words of the gospel together. One day, as he saw the crowds gathering, Jesus went up on the mountainside and sat down. His disciples gathered around him, and he began to teach them. God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for him, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. God blesses those who mourn, for they will be comforted. God blesses those who are humble, for they will inherit the whole earth. God blesses those who hunger and thirst for justice, for they will be satisfied. God blesses those who are merciful, for they will be shown mercy. God blesses those whose hearts are pure, For they will see God. God blesses those who work for peace, for they will be called the children of God. God blesses those who are persecuted for doing right, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Would you bow with me in prayer? God, we hear your word. Now, Holy Spirit, we ask for the wisdom to understand it. Amen. Expectation versus reality can be a funny thing. As a matter of fact, there's a whole uh, meme sensation on the internet about expectation versus reality. I wanted to show you a couple of those that I find funny because they're true. Go ahead and put the first one up there, guys or gals. There we go. That's the expectation from the commercial or from the menu, and that's generally the reality that you get. All right, here's another one. This is the expectation of what it's going to be like to start a family. This is more accurately what it's like. Yeah, it is. Here's one. It's kind of hard to see, but the expectation versus reality for a preacher. Your friends think you sit around with your feet up all day. Your mom thinks you're Moses given the Ten Commandments, etc., etc. But what you really do down in the bottom right is you put people to sleep in staff meetings. So there we go. And here's the one I think is the truest of all of them. Our expectations are that our life is going to go like this. And the one on the other side is really what it tends to be like. So this idea of what our expectations are versus what the reality is, it can be harmless. You know, we we have high or low expectations for a movie or a restaurant, and we're pleasantly surprised or we're let down a little bit. And listen, that's not a crisis. That's okay. But there are times when our expectations and then the reality that we face instead can cause a shift in the trajectory of our lives. Palm Sunday is a day where we are honoring what the crowds did as Jesus was making his triumphal entry into Jerusalem. So remember, these Jewish crowds are under the occupying Roman forces And they are expecting their Messiah to ride in as a warrior king to overthrow the Romans, to reestablish the throne of David, and to bring an era of peace, 
prosperity, and power to Israel. And as they lined the streets and threw down their coats and the palm branches and shouted Hosanna as Jesus rode in, they had great expectations. But Jesus didn't come to be the king they expected. He came to be the king they needed. Jesus didn't come to be the deliverer that was expected. Instead, he came as the deliverer that we all needed. And really, much as these people did, we join them too often when we look at the idea of following Jesus. We make it more about our expectations for him when the truth is that we should be asking what are his expectations for us. Because, friends, it is, to be quite frank, disingenuous to show up to celebrate resurrection on Easter Sunday and ignore the words and the teachings the rest of the year round. Being a disciple of Jesus Christ is not about what I expect from Jesus. Being a disciple of Jesus Christ is asking him, what do you expect of me, Lord? And then doing everything I can to live into that. And the way we do that, the way we figure out Jesus' expectations for us is to go back and look at his teachings, especially Matthew chapters 5 through 7, which is the well-known Sermon on the Mount. And it's in this oration that Jesus lays out the blueprints for participating in the kingdom of God. And as he does so, he takes expectations of the day, And he flips them upside down. He says, I know you expect this, but to participate in the kingdom of God, here's what I expect from you. Here's what God will bless. And he gives multiple sayings. And each one is worth looking at and studying very briefly to see what Jesus expects from us. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to go one by one. It's not going to take too long. Don't worry. They got the clock set right. It doesn't say 10.52 this week. It says 11.42. So we're, we're good. Let's look at the first one. God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for him. For the kingdom of heaven is theirs. In that day, uh, the, the, the people saw prosperity, wealth, health, success in life as a blessing from God. Basically, if you have all the good things then God is on your side. And conversely, if you don't have these things, if you don't have wealth, if you have ailments, diseases, conditions, then God obviously isn't blessing you. That's the way they saw things. And Jesus flips them around. The expectation is that we should have everything together. The expectation that we so often live into is that we need to put off in our spiritual life like we've got all the answers, like we have everything down just right, like we're doing it all so well, even when we come to our private time with God, we are tempted to play act as if nothing is ever wrong. And yet Jesus says it is the poor, not the materially poor so much, but those who realize 
that we are spiritually impoverished. It is precisely those who understand that not only do we not have it all together, in our own strength we can never get it all together. We are the ones who will experience the kingdom of God. The expectation that we have is to have it all together and God will be pleased. The expectation Jesus gives us is for us to, us to approach God understanding that we have nothing by which we can save ourselves. And it is only then that we experience the full power of God's saving grace. The second one. God blesses those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Now this passage is not talking about mourning so much as grieving a loss in our life. While it is true that God comforts those who mourn for those they've lost, this passage is talking about repentance. In that day, the way that people showed their repentance, the way they showed their contrition over the wrong things they had done, was to mourn, was to grieve, was to put on grieving clothing, sackcloth. They would tear it. They would pour ashes over their head. They would take very drastic steps to show that what happened, what they did, bothered them. This is the way Jesus says we receive God's grace. Not by standing haughtily and saying, well, God, I mean, yeah, I would bless me too. But by realizing the depth of our sin and by mourning, by grieving. Friend, the expectation in the world is that we can say, well, you know what? God's grace is there. It's okay. I'm just a sinner. I'll always be a sinner. God understands. No. Sin is ugly. Sin is destructive. Sin is a breach of relationship with God. And it should bother us. It doesn't mean we run from God. It doesn't mean that we believe we are beyond God's grace, but we absolutely must face the depth of our sin. We have to realize when we sin that it's wrong and it should bother us. And when we acknowledge that, that's when God's grace comes to us. That's when God's grace can comfort us. Third, God blesses those who are humble, for they will inherit the whole earth. You know, I saw a funny description of what it's like on social media. A person posts, I really love oranges. And people comment, well, you neglected to mention mangoes, pineapples, papayas, and all other fruits. You're just a waste of space, and you should educate yourself. That's how social media goes. Humility is in dramatically short supply in our world. And arrogance is running rampant. The expectation is that if we think we have the answers, if we think we're in a position of power, then everyone else is just below us. But the expectation that Jesus gives us is that we are to take the posture of a servant, washing the feet of those around us. See, this is one of those that, yes, it involves our relationship with God, but that's actually lived out in our relationships with one another. 
Jesus put such a high value on interpersonal relationships. Here's what he said about worship. He said a little later on in the Sermon on the Mount, if you're going to go to temple and offer your sacrifice, which for us translates to come and worship. So if you're going to go to worship and you get there and you remember that someone else has something against you, 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 you realize that some relationship in your life is off kilter, stop worshiping, go and fix it, and then come back and worship. That's how high of a priority Jesus puts on our relationships with one another. The expectation is that we can belittle people as long as we have more, more knowledge, more power, more resources, more whatever. But the expectation Jesus Christ gives us is to be humble, is to be willing to serve, to be willing to listen, to be willing to not look as good because us looking good isn't what it's all about. The next one. God blesses those who hunger and thirst for justice, for they will be satisfied. Somewhere along the way, we develop this expectation that my life is my life, your life is your life, and if what's happening doesn't affect me, then it's none of my business. But if we read the Old and the New Testaments, God commands, not suggests, commands the people of God to be people of action, And for that action to be to bring about justice. As a matter of fact, in the Old Testament, God tells the people, look, it's not the sacrifices that I require. It's for you to do this. To love mercy, to act justly, and to walk humbly with God. Throughout the scriptures, the people of God are called, when we see injustice to step up, to speak out, and to act. When we see people who are vulnerable being abused, being disenfranchised, to step up and to do something about it. Later on in the New Testament, James writes very, very bluntly, faith without works is dead. Faith that is vocal but doesn't do anything to help its neighbor is no faith at all. So our expectation is we don't have to get involved. The expectation that our Jesus, our Lord, puts on us is for us to go. When we see injustice, to pursue righting that wrong, to pursue it so much so that it's like we are starving and parched for it, and it is food and water itself. Next one. God blesses those who are merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Jesus, when he teaches about the kingdom of God and how to pray, He has a little section in there where we pray to God to forgive us our sins or our trespasses, depending on your translation, as we forgive others when they sin against us. Us receiving God's forgiveness is in conjunction with us extending God's forgiveness to someone else. 
And then Jesus, after that, says something just very startling, which, by the way, Jesus said some very hard things that we can't gloss over. Like this one. After he concluded his teaching on prayer, he said, Now, if you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive your sins. But if you refuse to forgive those who have sinned against you, your heavenly Father will not forgive your sins. Now, here's, here's what I'm sure Jesus meant. You have to forgive everyone. Well, not, not you, Chris, because I know what they did was extra bad, so you're, you're the exception. It just doesn't work that way. I have no exemption on this to claim. The expectation is that we treat people the way they treated us. But the expectation, the reality that Jesus gives us, the one who prayed, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing as they put the nails in his hands, calls us, if we claim to be his disciples, to forgive I don't understand exactly how it works, but here's what I know. The extent to which we are willing to offer mercy is the extent to which we are opening our own hearts and lives to the mercy of God. Verse 8, God blesses those whose hearts are pure, for they will see God. Purity here is in comparison to something being pure gold or pure silver. There are no other elements Jesus is very simply saying, our hearts must be singular in our devotion to God. Lent is a time of self-examination, of reflection. And I believe Lent is a very appropriate time to ask myself, is my heart purely and wholly devoted to God? Because again, Jesus said very clearly, you cannot serve two masters. You'll love one. You'll hate the other, or you'll serve one and despise the other. The expectation is that we can serve Jesus a little bit and still live our lives the way that we want. The reality, the expectation that Jesus gives us is it is wholehearted discipleship or nothing at all. Verse 9, God blesses those who work for peace, for they will be called the children of God. As a culture, we are just addicted to drama, aren't we? Aren't we addicted to fighting and quarreling and scuffling and strife? And yet Christ calls us not to put more logs on those fires, but to be peacemakers. You know what that means? That means that my opinion may not be the right one and not everyone has to have my opinion. That means that I don't get the right to tell other people how to live. That means that I need to actively try to bring peace. That my words and my actions should be encouraging. They should be beneficial. They should be for building others up, not tearing them down. And 10, this is the final one. God blesses those who are persecuted for doing right, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. So if we look at the teachings of Jesus, and we really live them out, the expectation is, the fear is, that might bring us some trouble. That might make things difficult for us in life. Some people might not like us living in this manner. And you know what the reality is? 
that one's true. So think about Palm Sunday. Jesus rides into Jerusalem triumphantly. They're throwing their coats and their palm branches down and they're shouting, Hosanna. And then he starts to confront the religious leaders. He starts to confront the people in power. He starts to point out things that are wrong. And that very same crowd, not even six days later, is now shouting, crucify him. Friends, living a life of authentic discipleship of Jesus Christ will be difficult, it will be costly, and it may bring us trouble. But if it does, take heart and rejoice. Because then we are living as our Lord commanded us to live. Because then we are truly walking in His footsteps. So Palm Sunday for me has always been about great expectations. The crowd had their expectations for Jesus, and they were not at all interested in his expectations for them. And I fear that not too much has changed. As I prepared this message, I sat in my office, and I prayed over each one of these points each teaching in the Beatitudes, and I said, God, please show me where I'm falling short in these. Show me how to be a faithful disciple. Because I don't think the measure of faithfulness is whether or not I show up for Resurrection Sunday to celebrate. I think the measure of my discipleship is whether or not I follow him to the cross on Friday. Or whether or not I'm willing to live into his teachings after Easter and beyond. So my prayer is that you and I would both, this Holy Week, ask ourselves this question. Not what are my expectations for Jesus, but we would ask him what are his expectations for us. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, you speak words of comfort, you speak words of hope, and you also speak words of truth and correction. Lord, may we be faithful as your disciples. May we put aside our expectations and may we pray with faith and sincerity, your kingdom come and your will be done. May we see where you are leading us this week and beyond. And may we have the courage to truly follow. Amen. Thanks for listening to The Refuge Podcast. To find out more about The Refuge and Trinity, visit us online at www.trinityruston.org.